The rest of you this morning, I'd like to invite you to pull out your toys, because usually you don't get to play with these in church, but I, I need you to do me a favor this morning. If you have a device that you can open up and, um, and you can play a song or maybe whatever you are listening to here uh, you know, on the way to church, if you have something like that, that in a moment you can push play for me and have sound come out, that would be fantastic. And if anyone has a boom box, that would be awesome. I mean, if someone just whipped that out, No. No, we're past those days. All right. Don't do it yet. Someone's, <laughs> someone's doing it yet. All right. You got to unmute it. Many of you are very well trained to mute your phones coming into a place uh, like this on a sunny morning. And for once, you get to unmute it. While you're doing that, I'll, I'll give you a second to find, um, find a track that, that you want to share with everyone in just a moment. Um, I want to start this morning with two greats. Uh, there's a whole lot of words in Scripture. And just like as a parent or as a boss or as a captain of a team... There might be a lot of words said, but there are, there are certain words that rise to the top. They're more important than others in the sense that they are more critical. They're more urgent. They should be revisited more often. And in the Bible, there are two greats. There's something that's called the Great Commission. And this is Jesus talking near the end of his ministry, and he shares with the disciples, listen, here's what's happening. I'm going away now. You go and make disciples of the whole world. That's called the Great Commission. Okay, That's one thing that you'll hear Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches talk about a lot. There's a second thing called the great commandment. The great commandment is when someone came to Jesus one time and said, hey, what's, what's the most important commandment? And he said, all of the law, all of the prophets, everything that those words say could be summed up right here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. He kind of gave a two-for-one, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. So if you boil that down, that's love God and love other people. Those are the two, those are the two greats in scripture. And I'm bringing you to that for a very specific purpose. Now, keep that in your mind. Okay. You're multitasking. Now, on the count of three, you're going to find a little triangle on your screen somewhere and you're going to push play. Okay. Ready? One, two, three. I win. All right. You can stop. Go ahead and stop it now. Here's what, here's what you just did. We take, we take this little, we take this little triangle, this little play button that, that many of you just got to push. All right, now put it away now. I know some of you are like, oh, I'm almost near this level on Candy Crush. Put it away, okay? We'll get to that later. Um, this little triangle that you, that you just pushed teaches, teaches us some things about our Christian walk. First of all, there's, there's this partnership that just went on. You played an incredibly important part by touching it, but you weren't the only important part, right? Something else went on to, to make the magic happen of something coming out of your phone. Uh, that speaks to the fact that there's a mystery to it. Most people in this room cannot explain to me how it is that when I push a little triangle, I don't even push it anymore, I just touch it. Pushing play is from an old tape deck where you actually physically exerted some effort, right? Here, you just touch that triangle, somehow music is coming out, right? I mean, very few in this room can explain exactly what's happening. There's a, there's a certain amount of mystery to that. It's also true that you can miss the mystery. Hardly any of you thought, wow, that's pretty marvelous that I push a triangle and a song comes out that I pick. We can kind of miss, we can kind of miss that. It requires faith. How many of you doubted that when you push play, music was going to come out? Some of you who aren't that tech savvy are like, I never quite know what's happening with my phone, but I just push things. You know, I mean, I, I know the type, but most of you, it just requires faith. You just pushed it and you, and you trusted that something was going to happen. 
We could probably go on and on like this, but here's one more for you, how this teaches. Every one of your songs sounded a little bit different. You started at a different place. It all sounded just, just a little bit different. That's the Christian faith. That's the Christian walk. From this triangle, we, we take this triangle and we've decided to make this play button um, kind of this, this visual teacher for us. So many of you have heard the play button and seen it many, many times. Some of you have never been walked through this. So I want to just very quickly show you kind of, kind of visually how we as a church are saying, here's how we take kind of the, the, the two greats, the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, and we kind of put it in a little visual teaching tool for us, okay? We believe that every single uh, disciple, so what it means to make disciples is that they ought to be passionately uh, and growingly, uh, that's a good word, involved in the following, in worship, in community, and in sharing. And we've just taken three words and tried to boil down a whole bunch of scripture and a whole bunch of what it means to walk the Christian life with Jesus and kind of boiled them down into um, a, 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 something we can kind of get our hands on. Now, to kind of help define this, I want to, I want to define these very, very quickly and show you that there's, there's sort of a progression that normally happens with this. Worship just means a loving, deepening relationship with God. Does that ever end for the Christian? Of course not. It just keeps going on and on. You've been around a couple that's been married for 50 years? It's usually pretty awesome. They still fight, but usually it's pretty awesome. Because they can start to finish each other's sentences. They start to look the same. It's a little bit like Up, right? That, that movie. You're, I mean, you, you, you really see this, this love relationship that's developed for, for, for 50 years. That's how our relationship with God ought to just continue to grow. Not only that, but God's given us a spiritual family to join. So community carries with it the idea of being involved in a committed and loving relationship with the family of God. And then finally, the Bible talks plentifully about the idea that we are to serve and share with others. He didn't save us just to be in the family, but rather to give it away. We serve a generous God. And so we've been raised up, we've been sanctified, we've been saved, we've been healed for the purpose of other people, to help them, to give it away. We've summed all that up with the word share. Now, let me just tell you, if you're new to NBC, you won't know this. If you're old to NBC, you'll know this. We embrace the fact that the Christian walk and spiritual development is often messy and hard to categorize. So we're not massive on, are you in the worship stage or the community stage or the share stage? We recognize that there is a certain progression to spiritual formation, but just like life, it's a little bit hard to just clean categorize that all the time. We embrace that fact. Because that's, that's what we see in the scriptures. All right. I brought all this up as an intro simply to make this point. Okay. So if you've been zoning out and you kind of checked in and out already, bring it back. Okay. Come, come back with me. Here's the opening point I want to make. We have been this month in a little series, little mini series called Reach Out and Welcome In. And what I want you to see is this, that reaching out and welcoming in isn't some frilly side bonus thing that we do as a church, it's exactly what we're about as the church. It's the cake, it's not the frosting. I mean, this is what we are about as a church. So for two weeks now, I've been talking about our love for one another, how it is that we are to be walking in fellowship, walking in community. Read your Bible sometime just with a lens toward the one another's. In the Old Testament, just with an eye toward the feasts that the people of God were called to celebrate. I mean, long feasts mandated, be together, party together, commemorate together, worship together. 
That's the calling of Scripture. So for two weeks, we, we talked about that. We hammered on that. We just, we just stirred some things up in us. And now we are shifting our focus a little bit. It's not Christians' love for one another. It's now Christians' love for those who aren't yet in the family of God. So we're, we're turning our attention. What does the Scriptures have to say about reaching out and welcoming into the body of Christ those who don't even have the first clue about what God is really like, about what the Father is calling his lost children to. All right, if you have a Bible with you or if you have your phone with you, uh, turn to Luke chapter 14. That's where we'll be. Uh, If you don't have a Bible or didn't bring it with you, you're welcome to use the one that's sitting in front of you. As you're turning to Luke 14, here's kind of the setup. Jesus is is at a dinner party, and guess what he starts to teach about? Dinner parties, okay? Jesus had this way of just teaching in the moment kind of where he was. I'm at a dinner party. Let me teach you a few things about the dinner party. We're going to read this in a second, but in verse 7, it actually tells us the motive of why Jesus decided to start teaching about dinner parties. It's because he saw the guests were starting to kind of jockey for first place in line. They were jockeying for kind of the, the best position. And so he sees that, and so he decides to start teaching them some things. I want you to see that he's teaching about honor here. He basically says this, be humble and let God exalt you because that is much better than the opposite. The opposite is the flip around of that, okay? Let's pick it up in verse 7 and you can follow along with me if you're, if you're uh, willing and able. It says, now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying, when you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all, who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. He moves on to teaching about guest lists. Okay, whenever you throw a wedding feast or a party, a dinner party of some kind, you're going to think about guest lists. Now, I'm going to read this in just a moment, but anytime the scriptures say, uh, don't do this, rather do this, it's not necessarily a condemnation on the first thing. It's rather saying, don't just do this, Also do this. So I'll tell you the logic of this first. We're going to read it, and you'll kind of see it for yourself. Part of how we know he wasn't condemning not having parties just for your family and friends is he went to those. He pronounced his blessing on those by attending those kinds of events. But what the force of the Scripture is saying is, don't just do this. Rather, also do this. Pick it up with me in verse 12. It says this. He said also to to the man who who, who had invited him, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. All right, that's all fine and dandy, and we could spend a lot of time talking about those two passages. I want to move beyond that. That's all kind of setting the table, so to speak, for where we're headed, which is this parable. Some of your scriptures will say the parable of the wedding feast. 
And that's where I want to draw your attention and focus your attention this morning. At the, at the mention of the resurrection, one of the guests, he doesn't say who, but one of the guests starts to venture into deeper waters. And he starts talking about the kingdom of God. Okay, Look at verse 15. Verse 15, when one of those who had reclined a table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know about you. Stop for one moment. Wouldn't it be amazing to talk about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, with Jesus? I mean, Jesus could have answered this a lot of different ways. Buddy, you have no idea what kind of bread they have in the kingdom of heaven. I was just there. It's pretty awesome. He doesn't say that. But it would be really cool, even if you get schooled by Jesus, which he tends to do with people because they don't really know much of what they're talking about, it would still be cool to be one of those people that got to have a conversation with Jesus about the kingdom of God. He goes on to basically tell a story that teaches. Okay, It's a parable. So he goes on to basically tell this, this fictitious tale about a wedding feast. Now, I told you uh, last week, but, but last Saturday I was at a wedding. These are some pictures. Uh, in, in my day, when you, when you had your photographer take wedding pictures, it took a long time for you to get back and see what actually happened. Now it's online like as it's happening, right? Um, so this is from last Saturday night, and I will just tell you, it was a perfect night of celebrating God-ordained marriage. It was just beautiful. It was a beautiful couple. The families that these two came from were amazing. The location was set up awesome. God blessed us with an incredible night. The music, the food, the dancing, the atmosphere, the company that I was with, it was a perfect night of celebrating. It was so fun. But as I was sitting there and as I was thinking about this passage, I thought about this fact that 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 Saturday night was actually the result of months of planning. Months of planning go into making a perfect wedding night go on, right? I mean, you have to figure out the location. You've got to dialogue, argue back and forth about, well, do we want this or that? You've got to figure out the guest list. You've got to pick the caterer. You know, that one's too hot. That one's too cold. This one's just right. You know, the DJ, the wardrobe, what's everyone going to wear? So once everything is set, then the invitations go out. That's a whole other conversation, possibly, right? About what kind of invitations should go out. Decisions made at every point. So Tim and Mia are the bride and groom in this setting. And imagine if all of these invitations go out, and then they start to come back in. For those of you who are married, remember that? I remember Becky and I were so excited to open every single card, just going, this is so cool. People are actually coming. You know, that's really nice of them. And it was just so fun to sit there and open up card after card. What if the invitations, what if these good friends and family, these people that had meant so much to them, they had whittled down and said, you're, you're being invited to this event. What if they started to trickle in with these kinds of things? We regretfully decline is checked off. And then when you figure out why, they've written down, you know what, um, your wedding's in Danville. We live in the Bay Area. Have you ever tried to get out of the Bay Area on a Friday or Saturday? It's just, it's just traffic. There's just so much traffic, and I hate, you know how I hate traffic, so I'm, I'm really sorry, but we're not going to be able to make the wedding because of the traffic. I'm sure Tim and Mia would be a little bit crestfallen with that, but okay. They open up another one. Another one says, you know what? We'd love to come, but we just bought these quads, and they're so fun. We've got to make sure to kind of make the investment count, so we've got to use them. If we don't use them, it's really just a bad investment. So we've got to get out and use those babies. I'm sure you'll understand. We'll be there next time. 
uh, next time. You think our wedding's not going to last? Like, what do, you, what do you mean by that? What do you mean next time? That's kind of it's kind of weird. And they get a third one, and it says, um, just says one word, you know, soccer. Sorry, the kids are in soccer. Actually, just a couple words. I'm, I'm on for snack. I'm supposed to bring the snack this week at halftime. So we'd love to make it. We can't do it that Saturday. And Tim and me are thinking, you're... Your daughter's five. It's not even technically soccer that she's playing at that age. I mean, what? As we, as we read this passage, okay, you're going to hear some excuses that are literally as lame as those excuses. There's no doubt that the original hearers, as Jesus is telling this story that teaches, are hearing it and starting to be a little bit amused at these lame excuses for this wedding feast until something turns on them and they start to realize, oh, this is humorous until I realize this is how I'm treating the invitation of God to be a part of his kingdom. So let's read it, starting in verse 16. He said to them, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to the master. Then the master of the house became angry. And said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, sir, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. The master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. There's a negative part to this story, isn't there? It's all the excuse-making, it's the anger, it's the not coming. But there's a giant positive light in all of this. And it's right there in verse 22. It says this, And there is still room. That's the big idea that I want you to leave with this morning. There's still room. The party's all set. The guest list has been made. The wardrobe's there. The food's ready. Servants are waiting to celebrate and serve. And there's still room. I don't know if you see what's happening here, but here's the picture. Um, this, is a, this is a month that we've decided we're going to say, reach out and welcome in. It's not just so that for four weeks we can be a little bit more inviting. That's icing on the cake type, type of talk. This is to say, God, would you take September and alter the course of our year? Would you alter our thinking? Would you grow us up in what's really important to you? So as I walk around this room, I can look around and I can say there's still room. I mean, there's still room. Right over here is, is almost is, you know, half a row. There's still room. So here's, here's what we did when we went to two services. It's kind of fun preaching from here. Um, here's what we did. We said, let's, let's make every single chair in our minds some person. Some person that needs this. I don't know if you get this, 
But some of you have already invited your coworkers. You've already invited your families. You've already invited your neighbors. And look around you. There's still room. There's a whole second service that we have. Here might be the most biblical thing we could do. Just come on right outside here and say, Hey, you, over there, walking your dog. Come on in. We still have seats. You driving by... Stop. There's, a, there's half a row. Yes, there's... Come, come on in. You don't have to be dressed for church. I mean, this is really the picture. I'm back. Do you get it? I mean, that's what we're saying here. Of all the people that could be coming to church, isn't it true that only a fraction actually are here? I mean, of all the people you've talked to, of all the people that you've shared your love relationship with Jesus, you say, you've got to get in on this. I mean, only a fraction of the people I've shared that with see it and get it. The Bible teaches us that. There's this giant highway that's leading off of a cliff. There's this little narrow path that's leading to life. And yell and scream and wave as you might. Few find life. Few accept that. People have precious little time to talk about those kinds of big events. There's still room. In terms of an action point for you, I'm not going to give it to you. It's right there in the text. Let me give you the hint. We're the servants. We are the servants in that parable. We've gone and invited people, and we got these different responses back. The master says, then get out and invite the lame and the poor and the destitute and the disenfranchised. Go get them in here. They'll probably respond, Lord, we did that. There's still room. Not just in a church service, but in the kingdom of God, at the banquet, at the feast, at the party. So he says, literally then, go out to the highways and byways and Almaden Expressway and compel people to come in. Because there's still room. That's our call and mandate. Here's what you can expect. By the way, it gets even better. I'm not going to read it, but chapter 15 of Luke, you ought to get to know chapter 15 of, of, of Luke. Jesus goes on and he tells about a shepherd who goes wandering through the hills to find one lost sheep. He's already got 99 safe and sound, but he wants to go find that one lost one and bring him back. Then it talks about a housewife who's lost a single coin and she sweeps the house until she finds it. Then it talks about the proverbial prodigal son, but it's really about the father who's welcoming in the lost son. You know what that whole series is teaching? It's teaching us the heart of God. The heart of God is that he would, he would not wish that any would perish, but that, but that the shepherd would go out and search for the one lost one and go after him. That the father would be waiting with open arms. You know what's beautiful about all three of those? There is a party celebrating when the lost has become found. Every time. A big party. Celebrating that fact. God's super jazzed about that. Is the picture. Jesus in Luke 19.10 sums it up. He says, the son of man came to seek and save the lost. You know what Jesus' mission was? To go out and welcome in. Remember what we were told to do in Romans 15.7? Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. That's our call. That's what we're talking about. 
Here's the expectations. You can expect lame excuses. You can expect lame excuses. You can expect yeses, noes, maybes, yeses that were actually noes because they don't show up, noes that actually turn into absolute yeses because they are around. And you can also expect much partying and celebration. It is so powerful when someone of you, just at a simple invite, invites someone and their lives are utterly transformed. Their marriages are transformed. Not just life here on earth, but life for eternity is altered because of a simple invite from you. That's what you can expect. There's been some creativity this, this month. I love it. I've just heard of a, of a couple of them. But there's someone sitting in this room. I'm not sure that the person has done it today, but he decided as an experiment under his name to just write the word free hugs. That was an action item. That was his own personal action item on saying, how can we love one another a little bit better? I think I'll just put free hugs on my name tag. I'm not sure how it's working out. I haven't talked to him in a little while. Um, but that was just a little creative thing to just say, man, let's just, let's just warm the place up a little bit. A second person has actually been reporting back to me all these different people who are going to church, many of whom he's invited to come here for a long time, and they've since moved, but now they're letting him know, hey, I'm going to a church. I just want you, I wanted you to know I'm finally taking you up on the offer. I'm four states away. And I'm getting these text messages. This person that we've been... They're going to church. Finally. Another person. I just made a commitment to say, you know what? We've got all this technology to communicate with anyone at any moment, at any time. I'm going to use it more intentionally to say what I feel about my brothers and sisters in Christ. To just communicate with people through the week more. And be more intentional about just reaching out and just communicating within the network of relationships I've already had. I hope there's a lot more creativity and action items that you've assigned yourself or that God has nudged you toward this month. And I hope there's more yet to come. I'm not sure what will come out of the fact that there's still room in the kingdom of God for you this week, but I pray that God will assign you some specific names to think and pray through. Let me get the band back up here. We're going to continue in worship, and in just a few moments, uh, we're going to be we're going to be giving you uh, kind of an opportunity right within the room here to respond in, in some ways. It's our community group launch this this morning, and so. Um, in the fall, it's kind of a startup time. It's kind of an opportunity to, to restart some things, continue in things. And so we'll, we'll give you some direction in just a bit. But we're going to... Well, isn't it good to know that you're not alone uh, in this? It's a huge task to go and make disciples of the whole world. It's a community effort. It's not just that you're not alone in this because God is with you. It's that you're not alone in this because God's built a community around you. If you read through the Bible, you see a lot of togetherness. There's a ton of together language. And when you think about the church completing her mission, it has to be done together. You can't do this alone. What's interesting is when you think about your own spiritual growth, your own spiritual formation, you can't grow without relationships. So that togetherness is certainly God-ordained. I don't know if you've understood or gotten this by now, but getting together and staying together is evidently really, really hard. Just ask Taylor Swift. She writes all kinds of songs about it and makes a lot of money talking about it. But not just for couples, right? It's not just hard to get together and stay together as a couple. It's just hard to get together and stay together with people. 
Ever wonder why? Why is that? There's, there's basically one word I could sum it up with. It's this. It's the word selfish. You calling me selfish? Yeah. And I'm calling myself selfish too. What happens is we sometimes put expectations on other people. Help me fix me. You complete me. I saw that in a movie once. It has to be true. Help fix me. And when they can't, when they can't live up to that expectation, we get frustrated with them. That's only one little nuanced storyline. There's all kinds of things that battle and rage within us that is selfishness. The hurts and the habits and the hang-ups that are present in this room. The hurts and the habits and the hang-ups that are present in any marriage, in any community group that gets together, are have the potential of like powder keg conflict and frustration, but are designed by God to to grow us up in him. Because not everyone has all the gifts. We're able to have other people come and be a healing balm to some of those weak areas. A friend that can kind of come along and say, you know what, you're really rough around the edges with people tact-wise. Let me come and be someone you can limp along life with and begin to, to teach you and grow you in some of those. You know what, you've been really hurt and abused by this. Can I come alongside and just be a listening ear to you? There's all kinds of ways that we can be that one for another. We're going to give you opportunity uh, in just a moment to hear from a couple of our community, uh, all of our community group leaders, and uh, we're going to actually take time in the service to just end our service by giving you some time and freedom to go and talk to a few different community group leaders, ones that you might be interested in, in checking out. Our community groups are intended to be Holy Spirit-led laboratories for learning to love one another earnestly and deeply. Just as we just sang, we're not here in a worship service to just sing about things, nor are we going to Bible study to just study about things or just be in community. That would be a tragic failure if it ended there. Do you notice the servants? What if the servants went out, formed little groups, and studied about how the fact that there's still room? Hey, I got a count. Oh, good. Let's, let's hear about that. Hey, we've got some strategies of how we could invite people from the highways and byways. Hey, I've got a map of all the highways and byways. Good, let's study it. I mean, that would be an epic failure for those servants unless they go out and do what? Invite. Compel. Bring in. Obey the, the master. So today is kind of an on-ramp. We've, we've designed things this morning to do exactly what an on-ramp does. Okay, Or at least here's what it's intended to do. It's intended to allow the, the merging car to get up to speed. Right Now, some of you, I know you're behind that person, and you're like, 25 is not the speed limit of the on-ramp, right? But it's to get that person to push that pedal on the right, yeah, boldly. Shove it down. Get going right up, up to speed. And then in theory, this doesn't happen in the Bay Area, but in the theory is that it gives other motorists an opportunity because they saw that little yellow sign, hey, there's cars merging, so just be prepared for that. Okay? Now, we're not going to do this quite like the Silicon Valley way of freeways. We're going to try and go somewhere else. I don't know. Maybe Midwest, they're a little bit kinder. I'm not sure. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to give people the opportunity relationally to kind of get up to speed. And it's just hard to jump into a relationship. It feels like everyone knows each other and you're not sure that you do. But we're going to say to those who are already in relationship, hey, we're planning on merging lives here. This is a season. These next few weeks are a season where we're, we're planning on, on merging lives together. 
Is it true that you could join a community group any week of the year at NBC? Absolutely. That's a true statement. Many of you have. I've seen, I see some new faces here that are in a loving community now because they just, they just said, I'm jumping in, not waiting for some merge on-ramp Sunday. But this is a Sunday specifically designed to kind of set that up. Um, all right, very quickly. Here's what community groups aren't a quick fix to, okay? They're not a quick fix to the following problems. They are not a quick fix to you battling your temptation. That is a battle that will rage the rest of your life. Accountability is great, and it helps immensely, but this battle is something that you will fight the rest of your life. That's why the scriptures tell us to put on the armor of God. That's why the scriptures tell us that with every temptation, he'll give us a way of escape, look for it. That's why he tells us to be in his word, feeding on it, right? So that's one, number one. Number two, it will not correct the problem of you feeling isolated. Sometimes it can only frustrate it. When lonely people, that's one of the hurts, habits, and hang-ups that people come with, they come, and if you think, man, if I could just be around a group of people, I won't feel isolated. Is it possible to feel lonely in a crowd? Say yes. Yes. Is it all the more frustrating when there's only six of you in that crowd and you still feel isolated? All the more so, yes. It will not be a quick fix to that. Should it start to point you in the right direction? Absolutely. Should community groups love on you lavishly that make no sense? Absolutely. That's how Jesus welcomes us. But it won't just be a quick fix to that. Finally, it won't be a quick fix towards your propensity toward yourself. If we're not intentional, you know what we can do? We can all get together every Thursday night and just do what we do the rest of the week, and that is keep the attention on us, but we're just doing it in community. In other words, I come and go, wow, at this place, for free of charge, I used to have to pay a therapist for this, but now free of charge, I get to dump all my junk, and people actually have to kind of listen because they're Christian, so they have to kind of nod, and even if I get long-winded, which I tend to do, and even if I share way too much, which is awkward for everyone, they have to just kind of nod and smile and say, we'll pray for you, brother. What we can do is we can come and just use each other. Our propensity towards self, we could come and just and just go, wow, so one time a week that I get to talk about me for long periods of time, and people have to listen. But then there's that guy Joe, and he talks about himself, and I have to listen. So it's a 50-50. I mean, we can get in that weird mode, right? That's not what it's about. Here's what community groups are. It's a great way to take a step toward really being involved in each other's lives. Do you know that just by carving out a couple of hours every week, I get to hang with a certain group of men that otherwise our busy lives and the responsibilities we carry, we would not... We would not sit down and walk through life together. But every week I get to pray for them. I get to be an intercessory for them. They get to be an intercessory for me. They get to speak truth into my life. They get to speak courage in my life. They get to speak rebuke into my life. And I them. We get to gather around and just read the scriptures out loud together. We get to sit down and sharpen, as iron sharpens iron, we get to talk and discuss with each other. We get to just keep up with each other on what's going on in life. All because it's scheduled and it's sacred and we and we carve it out and we and we spend time doing that community groups are also modeled in scripture the whole house to house movement in, in scripture is is our version of community groups community groups are dependent on the participants for their success or failure you're going to meet the leaders here in just a moment it's not all in the leader the leader is a part of things but it's really dependent on the participants to help or hinder the the group finally Community groups are a practical obedience in all of those scriptures that say one another. You say, well, it says welcome one another, love one another, uh, honor one another as more important than myself. Who, who are those people? 
mean, if it's just here, you don't really even interact a ton. You could come weekly, right? Show up a few minutes before, slip out right when it's done, and not really even talk with many people. In a community group, in a home setting, in a church setting, you're looking across the faces. Those are the one. Start there. That's the one in ours. Gria, come on up. Here's, here's the question, and then here's the action that's going to go on. The rest of your community leaders can follow his lead, because he's a leader. Um, here's the question. Are you in proximity with other Christians, or are you in community with other Christians? There's a big difference. You can be close without being connected. Okay? Here's what's happening right now. You're going to hear from different community group leaders. We have a ton of community groups. Guess what? There's still room, right? There's still openings for you. Different nights of the week, different focuses. You're going to get to hear from them. Everyone that you see up here, let me give you a a promise right now. I guarantee it. They're not perfect. But these are people who are known by the leadership of the church. They're trusted and then commissioned by the leadership of the church to say this. Follow me as I follow Christ. They are not perfect. They will let you down. But they are known by the leadership, um, and I want you to, to trust them as well. They're going to be stationed through the building. They'll tell you kind of where they're going to be. They all have cards. So what I want you to do is not have to remember everything. And leaders, we don't need to share every nuance of what our group's about. You're going to have some cards that you can go and gather and then pray over and say, which group is right for me? You can make a decision on your own time as you kind of gather some of these cards. Some of you are already in a community group uh, this morning. Church isn't ending early. You don't get to go to the tailgate party early. Here's what I want you to do. If you're in a group and you know you're staying in that group, I want you just to go stand by your group leader. They may need help passing out cards. They may need help answering a couple of questions about your group. They may need a back rub, okay? So just go to your group if you know you're hanging out with one, and then uh, we'll do that. Gria, start us off. My name is Gria, and I represent the Young Families Community Group. We used to be the young couples, I think, but there comes a time when young couples become young families and so on. Um, so let's see. We meet uh, Wednesdays from 7 to 8.30. Uh, we tend to rotate leadership, so, um, yeah, so everybody kind of gets a chance to lead our group. Um, our focus is various things, but most often it's family or marriage related. We tend to do those kinds of topics, even though right now we're doing the sermon series. So it's not you know, set in stone. Uh, as far as childcare, since it is young families, kids get to just kind of hang out, play together. We tend to make sure they're corralled so they don't hurt each other, but sometimes they hurt each other, and that's okay too. Um, and let's see, location, we, uh, we, go, we change from week to week. Uh, just um, on this card, you can ping me from where it is that we're meeting that week. Uh, or you can give me a call uh, and figure it out. Um, yeah, that's it. Oh, I'm going to be back there. You get us twice. Um, so one of the things that we lead at, at our house is the um, what we call the GO team, the global outreach team. Uh, so it is... Instead of instead of calling us the missions committee, we are a missions uh, community group. We like we like each other, so we are not just a committee. <laughs> um, but we only meet once a month, um, so we're, we meet on third Sundays at our house. Uh, we get together and pray and um, share things both about what the current people we support are doing around the world and about other people we know that are doing around the world and how we as a family and a community at NBC can um, grow and be more involved with those types of things. So 7, 7.30, third Sundays are. And then Fridays, we're also involved in a uh, group that meets uh, currently at the Pangs. Uh, 
Camden, I think is what it says. Yeah, Camden. Uh, it is following the sermon series. It's family friendly. We also get together for dinner first. So very easy time to fellowship. And uh, that's some of the time we get the most community from the kids before they get distracted at times. Uh, yeah, so Fridays, the first meeting is not this Friday, but next Friday, the first Friday in October. Yeah, and we'll, sure, we'll stand in this corner. Uh, I'm the men's group Thursday night. Uh, it's for men only, um, all ages, uh, and we meet at 7 o'clock to 8.30 back here in room 7, which is in the far back. We tend to follow the sermon series, so most every week you'll have a handout, and there's community group questions. If you haven't uh, been a part of the service that week, we encourage you to listen online so you can come and participate, um, and so that's on Thursdays at 7.30. And I'll be right in the middle of the room right there. So same time, same place, but for women. So um, we meet here at church from 7 to 8.30 Thursday evenings. We do have child care, and we will be going through a book series called Chase, and we start that this week. So come and be part of that. We would love to have you. Um, and I'll be over here um, by the photos or the pictures over there by the wall. Yeah, and I'm Sharon Adam, and I'm leading the Wednesday morning women's study, same same book we're going through, 9.30 to 11.30 here, and um, there's child care provided, and um, there's plenty of room for more people if you want to join us. Wednesday mornings, 9.30 to 11.30. And I represent uh, five different community groups. Um, <laughs> I don't lead them all, um, but I represent the middle school and high school community groups, and uh, we meet on Tuesdays, and they're gender-specific, and... Um, just a great time for kids to, to dive into God's word deeper. Right now we're going through Revelation, um, and I will be right over here. And if you are parents of those kids, check this out. Hi, I'm Phil Nicholas, and I'm representing the Theology and Life Community Group. Meet same bat time, same bat channel as uh, Ben's group on Tuesdays at 7 o'clock here at NBC. And Theology and Life, uh, our motto is what we believe, why we believe it, and how we live it, or in some cases, how it lives us. So the idea is people coming together, and it can be questions on or discussions on the sermon series. We have CG group questions in pretty much every weekly bulletin. If you have a theology question you've ever wanted to study and spend weeks and weeks digging into and be held accountable, we'll be happy to or, or help you bounce things off each other, things like that. So uh, maybe a little bit of a book club feel if you want to bring things that you read this week, things, you know, whatever inspired you, that sort of thing, and meet together, pray together, um, discuss life and theology. Sure. My name is Les Albert. Uh, Church, thank you for letting me be a community group uh, leader. It's really a privilege. Uh, we meet at the Austin's home on Monday nights at 7.30, uh, we follow the sermon series as the Holy Spirit leads our pastors on the subject and teaching. We just follow that with discussion and prayer and fellowship and getting to life application. So Monday nights at 7.30, we meet at the Austin's home. I'll be in the back of the church. Thanks, Les. Would you all stand with me right now? We're going to say a word of prayer, and then uh, I'm just going to dismiss you. We're dismissing a bit early. Just encourage you to go and, um, and, and meet some of these uh, community group leaders. God, thank you for this morning. We thank you, God, that... Uh, that you've called and gathered us. These are the respondents that have said, yes, I want to come and worship with, with God's people on a Sunday morning. I pray that we've heard from you. I thank you for your word. And God, just now, um, even as we interact with relationships, God, I pray that something as simple as a name tag will begin to help break down the walls and barriers that we sometimes put up with each other. God, I pray for courage and boldness, God. Community requires commitment. 
And I pray, Father, for, for just that ounce of mustard seed faith that would, would call someone just to walk across the room and have a conversation this morning that might lead uh, to some places that, that you want to take us. God, we love you, and we praise you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.